0: One more passage, if you would. We're going to turn for the sermon to Psalm 63. Psalm 63, 1 through 8. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul... Thirst for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as, I, as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied with marrow and fatness. My mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. The word of the Lord. Psalm 63. David's in the wilderness. Why is he in the wilderness? He's in the wilderness because his son concocted a rebellious plan against him. At on Sunday night. We've been seeing David run from Saul. Now he's running from his son. Everything is reversed. Now he's the king who's leaving the city with his name on it. The city of David. David's running from Absalom and all those who have amassed themselves around him in his rebellion. David's have, having to leave everything that he holds dear. His home, he's leaving the tent of worship. He's leaving normal uh, entertainment. He's leaving everything. He's facing this adversity. He goes into a land that's dry and weary. Last week we said that David was basically standing in front of us. Now, Pastor Johnson would remember this person if I brought him up. But for 11 years, I stood in front of the same man for 20 minutes and talked to him while he walked on the treadmill. And David is standing in front of us right now as we walk on the treadmill, and he's talking to us and he's telling us how to deal with adversity. Mart Lloyd Jones says this about adversity. He says, We are living in a difficult and trying world, and we all sooner or later find ourselves in some kind of wilderness when we are bereft of all the things that we normally have and enjoy our health, our strength, our wealth, our friends, or our entertainment. When we are all suddenly laid down by some serious illness, those things are of no help or value to us. We're just left alone. But one thing we said last week, even when we're out in these wilderness places, we're never really alone. David is going through what's called the fight or flight response. David has chosen not to fight. He would have lost. David is in the flight. He's running. And when you have this fight or flight response, you have an adru- a dump of adrenaline and you have what's called tunnel vision. You've all experienced tunnel vision. It's when you focus on the things that you need to do to stay alive. And so David is coming to the end of his day And he's what's he going to do with his time in the margin called evening? We have two margins in our lives. We have the margin called morning and the margin called the evening. What's David going to do? Well, David told us last week in our adversity to turn to God. He says, oh God. He says to turn to the God you know. Oh God, my God. And last week we saw not only that, but we turned to the God we know for love. Your loving kindness is better to me than life. Now, I'm going to pull out three more points this morning before we return uh, probably to Philippians next week, <laughs> Lord willing. But I want to give you three more points. The first point is seek the Lord. I'm turning to the Lord. Well, we're going to learn something about seeking the Lord. We're going to look at remembering the Lord and we're going to look at praising the Lord. And so when you and I turn to this Lord that we know to be my Lord, not a Lord, and to be our God, it breeds a certain pursuit. And it's so I want to look at, seek the Lord first, the priority of the seeking. He says, I seek you earnestly. The word there in the Hebrew can be translated early. So let's talk about priority. What do we do when we get up in the morning? I know every one of you, you probably know, I've told you all my, my, my routine. <laughs> I mean, every morning the first thing I do is put coffee on. It's going. Now, I know some people don't like the way this coffee smells, but I love it. I've learned to love it. (laughs) The coffee's going. The Bible is either being read out loud while I'm listening to it or I'm listening to a sermon and I'm eating my cereal that I mixed together. You can ask my wife about that. I'm weird. But it's all going on in the morning and it lasts 22 minutes. I know how long all this stuff takes. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to know every part of it. I know when sermons are supposed to be done on Friday. I know all of it now. I've been through it so long. But the morning, the margin, it doesn't have to be long, folks. But it's the priority in the morning. David is saying, early, my priority... Just listen to me real careful. Oh, pastor, I don't have an hour. No, you don't have to have an hour. It just needs to be the first thing on your mind. Start the day. The priority in the morning is to start the day. Before you put the pedal to the metal and start going across town... Like I'm going to do tonight to go to the preach at Kingwood, pedal to the metal, right? Before we start, start with God. Second, the word earnestly can speak of intensity. So we have priority, we have morning, we have earnestly, we speak of intensity. We're to give ourselves to it. It's not length, it's intensity. It's praying the Lord's Prayer, but meaning it, right? So I've been reading at night uh, Augustine's Confessions and Monica is praying with intensity over her son augustine why because he's in sin <laughs> he's committing fornication he's wayward and she's he says that she was so provoked by my by my sin that she went everywhere crying and leaving puddles of tears these are his words not mine Crying, she's provoked, she knows it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God, and so she's prioritizing her prayers and she's with great intensity praying wherever she goes. I have a question to ask you Do you think Monica would have been so close to the Lord in prayer apart from this affliction? Well, we don't know the answer to that, do we? Just know she had the affliction. And that she cried out to the Lord for him for nine straight years for God to save this man. Before the affliction or before the agony comes our way, we say, we say a prayer. Are you hearing me? We say a prayer. But when the agony and the affliction comes, we pray the prayer. We hang on every word in the liturgy. Some of us maybe take the prayers home and use them. Some of us go and get our psalms out and say, I don't know the words to pray, but I'll use David's words to pray. What do we do? We, we say our prayers and then the affliction comes and we begin to pray our prayers. Jonah was asleep and then the affliction came and then he prayed prayers in the gullet. Of the fish, there's Hannah in First 1 Samuel 1.15. She's afflicted by her barrenness. She's afflicted by her the co-wife. Remember, well, that's another story. But the co-wife Peninnah, that's how you're supposed to say it. Penina. it's not Penina. Peninnah. Well, what was she doing? Rubbing in and in. I've got all the kids. You may have all the love, but I've got all the kids. She went to the temple and she poured her heart out in prayer before the affliction. We said our prayers. After them, we learned to pray our prayers. David says in Psalm 62 8, Trust in the Lord at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is a refuge for us. David is saying, My soul is satisfied in God alone. When, you know, uh, hymn 666, (laughs) eight verses long, we haven't sung that in a while, Ben. Um, in silence my soul is waiting and is waiting for God alone. He's the only one that can help you in these times. He's the only one that can lift the burden off of you in these times. So you seek the Lord. There's another word down here. He says, my soul clings to you. The word cling there is the same word used in Genesis 2.24 where it says, a man and a woman are joined together and become one flesh. (laughs) David is... Stuck to God. He's glued to God during this time. He don't, doesn't know anywhere else to go except to keep his, keep his nose down on the scent. He's going hard after God. And so he moves this way. This is what he does. You know, in the movie, The Rookie, y'all know that I'm, I'm just a little spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you part of it anyway. But the movie called "The Rookie." Uh, it's a story about a washed-up baseball player named Johnny Morris. There's something. This is something that I say to myself almost every day. So Johnny Morris, he's washed up, but he's all of a sudden he's out there on the on the movie now. In the movie, he's he's coaching his ball team, his baseball team, and all of a sudden they realize he can really fire that ball. He's throwing 96 mile an hour fastball, and so he goes and he tries out to, one more time in major leagues and. Uh, they put him on a farm team, and while he's waiting around on the farm team, there he is, a little older than all these guys, 18, 19, 20 years old. He's a little older. He's married. got a kid. He gets discouraged because, you know, folks, listen, being on a farm team is not all you think it is. I had friends on farm teams, and uh, they start running up credit card bills. They, I mean, they start spending the money hoping for their, for the break while Johnny's waiting on the break. He's not getting a break. And so he gets very discouraged. He talks to his wife. His wife says, no, just hold out. Just just a few more days. And then he sees an interview that he does, that he's done on TV. And he wakes up the next morning. This is what he says. Look what we get to do today. We get to play baseball. (laughs) When you wake up in the morning in the midst of your adversity, you need to say to yourself, look what I get to do today. Young people, you need to talk to your parents and say, Hey, set me up for tomorrow. (laughs) Set me up for tomorrow. Read a little of the Bible with me, Mom. Read a little bit of the Bible with me, Dad. And get me ready to wake up tomorrow and say, Look what I get to do today. I get to start my day off with God. Not to mention you just ended the day with God. You know, one of the things that I will say to you about Mr. Larson that many of you do not know about, Mr. Larson would sit right there where Donna is. And every evening he ended his day in the evening with Charles Spurgeon devotional. And every morning he started his day with Charles Spurgeon's morning, morning and evening. That's how Mr. Larson would begin and end his day as well. So we see the priority, we see the intensity of this seeking, and we see the totality of this seeking. Look at verse 1. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you. Priority, intensity, totality. It's body and soul. There's no division going on here. There's no separation. There's a whole being seeking after God. This is one of the problems we have in our lives. Think about coming to worship. (laughs) Folks, listen, y'all, in the past, there's some things I have done to try to make sure people are listening in worship. I have literally said in a service, one ping and one ping only, Vasily. Do you know that line? It shakes people up. Here's what happens in worship. You have done a great thing. You have gotten to church on time. You are in the place. Your body is right in front of me. It's a great accomplishment, but here's the second accomplishment. Are you listening to me with your soul? Your body's in the right place, but is your brain here? Are you hearing me? Are you listening? You know, the body and the soul, they work together. And so many times we come and worship and our, body, our body's in the right place. Our soul's in left field. Think about what uh, I think is Bunyan said it like this. He said that the real Christian is somebody who chews the cud. And he has the, has the. Well, let me make sure I wrote it in my notes. He has the split hoof, right? He says, he chews the cud. He says what he's supposed to say and he splits the hoof. He walks the way he's supposed to walk. And we sometimes as Christians, we know what to say, but are we obeying what we say we obey? Are we chinos? Are we Christians in name only? Somebody might say, are we rhinos? I'm not going to say the word you think I'm going to say. Are we reformed in name only? Do we love Calvin and do we love to talk about the high view of Scripture? And do we love to talk about Tulip and do we love to talk about what we believe about the covenants? Do we love to talk about all this stuff, but does it make its way down in our feet? The way we think, the way we talk, the way we act. Am I really here today? David is saying, I seek the Lord with all my body, with all my soul. Jesus said, seek first His kingdom. Paul says, this one thing I do. Jesus talking about Mary says, this one thing is needful and she's chosen the best part. Lots of stuff to do, folks. But we need to do it when we seek the Lord. We need to do it body and soul. This is number four. The absolute necessity of this seeking. Verse one, he says, in a dry and weary land where there's no water. David needs... Physical water for his body and his soul. But spiritually, he also needs the water that only God can give him. This water that only God can give him is the absolute necessity for him and for you and for me. This spiritual drinking can take place in this worship service. It can take place in your home. It can happen in your work but your greatest necessity is to drink from the waters that god provides congregation the word of god confronts us today the greater than david is present today and he offers himself to you as the water the living water jesus christ came early jesus christ prioritized your salvation jesus christ came with all the intensity jesus christ came as god who put on a body and a soul to live and to die to die for your sins That's absolutely necessary. He knows it. And so he comes and he says, will you accept the water I have to give? David needs physical water. He also needs spiritual water. And you and I, we need the water that only Jesus can give us. Do you remember the story about a woman who was very thirsty one day and a man who was very thirsty one day in John chapter 4? John chapter 4, the Bible tells us, it's kind of interesting, I got it memorized in King James Version. Jesus must needs go to Samaria. <laughs> it was absolutely necessary for Jesus to go to Samaria. It's 12 o'clock noon. This woman, a sinful woman, is going to draw water from a well. Why is she there at 12 o'clock noon? Isn't it easier to get water from a well in the morning when it's cool? Well, she's been married five times. and She's now living with somebody that's not her husband. And she goes in the morning and she's going to be ridiculed by the women there who know what she's doing and know how she's living. So she shows up at 12, and Jesus has a divine appointment to meet this woman at this well. And he shows up, and there he is sitting there. And Listen to what he does. It says in verse 7 of John 4, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. John gives us a little clue here. These guys don't talk to each other. Samaritans had intermarried with uh, Gentiles from years gone by, formed their own race, formed their own religion. We don't talk to each other. We don't eat and drink after each other. Jesus says to her, anyway, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says, you give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. You're going to come here tomorrow at 12 o'clock again. You're going to drop it down far and you're going to pull the water out. You're going to take it back home and you're going to have to come again day after day. But listen to this, he says. Whoever drinks of the water I will give him, I will give you, woman, shall never thirst. But the woman, the water that I give you will become in you a well of water springing up to eternal life. Then she says it. Sir, give me this water. She said the right thing. So that I don't have to come here anymore and draw. Now she's wrong. She wants the water from the ground, that she'll never have to have any more water out of the ground. And he says, No, no, I have water not from the ground. I have water from myself that I'll give you. A water that will spring up in you like an artesian well. But you have to go call your husband. But I'm not married. That's right, you're not. You're living in sin. He confronts her with her sin. He reveals himself to be the Messiah. She drinks of that water and she walks away with this well of water springing up to eternal life in her. And guess what? She forgets. She forgets the the bucket of water she was supposed to take home. (laughs) She forgets it. She's so excited about the well that's inside. She leaves the water that she needs from the outside at the well. She gets the water that she needs. Have you tasted of this water? Jesus said, this is the water of life. I am the water of life. And oh, congregation, how much do we need this water day after day? It's not just one time drinking. But we need this water all the time. We need to drink this water. to Be saturated with this water. We need this water to change our attitudes. We need this water to work on the way we think and the way we speak and to sanctify us. This water is absolutely necessary. Well, second, remember the Lord. We seek the Lord. There's priority. There's intensity. It's, it's all our all that we are. It's absolutely necessary. Now we remember the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 2. I have seen you in the sanctuary. That's past tense. Those are yesterday's worship services. And then he says in verse 6, when I remember you on my bed. Now we're talking about tonight's. Meditations. So let's think about yesterday's worship. I have seen you in the sanctuary. Now last week we talked about this just for a few minutes. But we said that all this stuff in the front that David sees, the animals and the sacrifices and, and, and all the different things that the priests do, he sees past that to the glory of God. He sees past that to the forgiveness of God. And so you and I, when we come to worship, you know, we f- reflect on what's going on. The invisible God's here. Think about water. We think about sacraments. We got water and that water, We what does water mean when we baptize somebody? It speaks of the cleansing blood of Christ. We have uh, bread and we have wine. What does the bread talk about? The bread is about the broken body of Jesus. The wine is about the blood being poured out. We we know what it means because we've had somebody explain it to us. Well, l- let me suggest that this is the sacramental word. Does your heart jump when you look at your black, I'm sorry, I'm saying black book, mine's a Slade book. But most of them are black, aren't they? I don't know if I have, I don't have a Bible up here, but all those Bibles y'all have in the chairs, they're all black books. But this black book, I don't worship the black book, but you know, this black book makes my heart jump. This black book, it tells me about a God. It tells me about Jesus Christ because it's been breathed out by the Spirit of God and this Word connects me to this God who reveals Jesus to me by the power of His Spirit. And So I love this book. One of the, the other day, one of the girls and I, we were going through Confessing Christ and I did this. I put the Bible on my head and I said, what am I doing? She said, I don't know what you're doing. I said, I'm telling you that I'm underneath the book. This book is how I know the authority of God. This book, as I look at this book, my heart jumps. It reminds me of what happened in worship. It reminds me about how I love God and I know Jesus Christ. I know about the Holy Spirit. I have all these memories around a black book, water, and bread, and wine. And I know what these things mean because somebody explained them to me. And I walk away from this place remembering all these things. Well, second, we have these memories in worship when we have tonight's waking moments. He says, when I remember you in my, on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. You know, every evening there's four three-hour watches. Six to nine, nine to twelve, twelve to three, three to six. You've gone the whole day. David's gone his whole day. And today, in this day, David's not running the kingdom. David's fleeing to keep himself, keep himself alive. What is he doing in the evening? Is he full of fear? Is he carried away by his bitterness? Well, he tells us right here at night in the night watches. On my bed, I'm meditating on you. So easy to be carried away with our fears and so easy to be carried away with our Absaloms that are after us. So easy to just be burdened by all of that. And David says, you know, on my bed, I'm remembering yesterday's worship. On my bed, I'm remembering how God has worked in my life on my bed. I'm remembering the Lord's Supper on my bed. I'm remembering worship services. I don't know about you. A few weeks ago, we served the Lord's Supper, and I'm I'm standing up here finishing up the prayer, and I I'm not trying to be tripe, but you know what came to my mind? Beam me up, Scotty. I'm ready. Y'all know the Star Trek line. It was we had a we had such a marvelous time in here in our little cave. It kids are kids. We had such a marvelous worship service. I was I'm ready to go. I can tell I'm going to tell y'all some stories because John's sitting right in front of me. Pastor Johnson's right here in front of me. One day I I walked out of the gym. He used to come and he'd take me out to eat from time to time. <laughs> One day I was telling him I said I said Pastor Johnson, I said, "Look at all these cars all these trainers drive." He said he said, "Mark, you could have a car like that." I said, no, I couldn't. He said, yeah, you could. He may not remember this. I said, uh, no, I can't either. He said, oh, yeah, you could. If your priorities weren't giving to the kingdom of God, you could save all that money and buy yourself one of these nice cards. But see, your priorities are different. See, that, that was a words from somebody that loved me. And I'll tell you another thing about him. One of the things that, that happened, one time he called me and he asked me, he said, what do I preach? I've been asked to preach and, and And so I told him what sermon I thought he should preach. But if you ask me to name the sermons, if you ask me the outlines of his sermons, I don't remember them. But I do remember one thing. I remember somebody who read the Bible to me. I remember somebody who preached the Bible to me. I remember somebody who loved my wife when she was hurting. I remember somebody who came over to the house and cared about me. These are the things that we are to remember. These are the things that we're to talk ourselves through. You and I, as a congregation, are to count your blessings in the evening. We're to name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We remind ourselves what happens in worship. We remind ourselves as we read our Bibles and those things what God met us in those evening times. Look what you get to do today. You get to read your Bible and pray. You get to start your day and end your day with God. You get to choose not to think about anger and bitterness. You get to choose to dwell on things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You get to practice those things. And you get to remember the promises of God. And David, I won't go into this very much, but David reflects on all the attributes. God's power, God's uh, presence, God's grace, God's glory being underneath the shadow of His wings. Are you remembering these things today as you face your adversity? You know, um, God's given David to us to tell us what to do. You know what parents do sometimes? They go out to their kids and they say, Now, I'm going to give you all the ice cream you could ever want, but you got to go clean the porch up. And so later on in the day, they're going, I want the ice cream. I want the ice cream. I want the chocolate stuff on top of it. I want you to mix it all up for me. And, and I'm going, I want the ice cream. I'm going, okay, you can have ice cream, but you have to go do clean off the porch first. And God's telling us exactly how He's going to come to us. <laughs> he's telling us exactly how He's going to satisfy us. He says, seek me first. I've already I've told you what to do. Seek me first. Remember these things. I'll walk down the path to you. Obey me, and I'm coming down the path. Well, third, praise. He says, verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Everything we rehearse. Think about all the past worship services. Think about all the times you've gotten up in the morning and starting your day with intensity, not with length. Intensity, if you have several hours, great. If you don't, intensity. Start there. End the day. Remember the worship services. Remember the Lord's Supper. Remember the preaching. Remember all these things you do with your family as you read the Bible. Remember all these things and all of the remembrances... You can turn them all around for fuel, for praise. I remember it all. Now I can turn it all around and I can say, God, thank you for those things. It's so easy to bring to God all the things that are going wrong. But how much praising and thanking are we doing in the midst of our trials? You know, one of the things that I'm reminded of, when I'm not writing as much with fountain pens anymore, but one of the things I was doing when I was writing with fountain pens a lot, you know what they say to do? You know what the psychologists say to do? People who are secular. Write down how much you're thankful for. Now, they don't know who to say thank you to. They just say thank... They're just thankful. <laughs> they're just thankful. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this. You, do, you know who to say thank you to. <laughs> you go and you say, Lord, listen... I'm remembering what you've done for me in worship. I'm remembering what you did for me last night. I'm remembering all these things, and I'm going to say thank you. How ungrateful it is for us to remember all these things and not to say thank you. So a heart begins to burn, and and hands begin to be raised. A vent opens up, and praise pours out. Y'all ever heard about Old Faithful? Y'all know about Old Faithful in Wyoming? Old Faithful is a vent in the earth. And every 45 minutes to every 125 minutes, that vent starts bursting forth. 30 I read this, 3,700 gallons of hot water up to 8,400 gallons of hot water depending on how long it goes. One minute and 30 seconds up to five minutes. <sighs> what are you going to do with all that you remember? Lord, thank you for the gift of life. Lord, thank you for the health that I've had. Thank you for the strength that you've given me. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you for letting me come to church when so many can't make it anymore. Thank you for adversities. Thank you for what you're teaching me. Thank you for driving me into prayer. Go read Jonah (laughs) 2. Thank you for driving me into prayer. I love the great fish that I'm in because you teach me to pray. What are you going to do, folks, when the busyness wears off at the end of the day in the midst of your adversity? David gets up in the morning. David goes to bed at night, and this is what he says. Seek the Lord. He says, remember the Lord. He says, praise the Lord. Look what I get to do today. I get to walk with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, maybe not so much suffering, but maybe a lot. But Father, we pray that we might walk on this treadmill in front of us, that you've placed this, this walk before us, and that we might walk in such a way in which we are seeking you with all our hearts. We're drinking from the water that Jesus provides for us. We might have eternal life and live that life here on this earth. We ask, Lord, that you will teach us to remember the truth Remember the experiences you've given to us and praise you from our hearts. We'll give you all the praise and glory as you help us to do these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.